This is Larry Mike with the Brandy Austin Law Firm, and you're listening to our podcast, Disclosure, Divorce in Texas. My name is Brandy Austin, and I am here with... Larry Mike. And we are going to talk about divorce. So I'm an attorney, a licensed and practicing in Arlington, Texas, at the Brandy Austin Law Firm. I'm a graduate of Baylor Law School, and I focus on litigation, and that just means that I go to court. And one of the areas of law that we practice that generally requires court appearances is family law. We have dozens of consultations and monthly appointments, and after years of doing this, I have decided that a podcast was necessary because there's a lot of misinformation out there regarding divorce and I wanted to clear some of those rumors up. I have with me our dedicated family law attorney, Larry Mike. Hey everyone, this is Larry Mike. I'm also an attorney licensed and practicing in Arlington, Texas, and I'm with the Brandy Austin Law Firm. I graduated from Texas Wesleyan University School of Law. My entire practice is dedicated to family law and helping families through difficult times and sometimes happy times. I've worked in several areas of law, but family law just seems to fit like a glove. Family law keeps me on my toes and emotionally engaged, and I want to share what I know with you guys and help get people on the right path. Our philosophy here is really to give families the information that they need, answer their questions, and let them make the best decision for them and support them in any way that we can. At the end of the day, we go home to our lives and our clients, and they go home to theirs. They have to live with their decisions that they make, not us. So we want our clients to make the best decisions for themselves with the proper guide. So without further ado, let's get started. This is how your divorce case will end in Texas. There are only a few ways that's going to happen. And it's not going to happen before 60 days after you file your petition, right? That's correct. The state law is, it takes 60 days. You have to wait 60 days once the petition is filed until the time frame that you can actually finalize the divorce. I think that's just the state of Texas's way of making sure that there is no resolution that can be reached between spouses or any changing of the minds. And so 60 days is kind of a cooling off period. That's correct. So you can prove it up, but that doesn't mean that it's going to happen in 60 days. Yeah, that doesn't mean that. I mean, there are sometimes where cases, 61 days, we're in there and we're proving up the divorce. But most of the time, I mean, you're looking at 180 days. Six to nine months. <laughs> Six to nine months, it's yeah. It's super contested. One year, maybe a little longer. Yeah, exactly. It depends on the court schedule. I would say probably about 10% of our cases are resolved at the 60-day, 61-day mark, right? Yes, the majority, we're, we're still. <laughs> we'll be with you for a while, but we love you guys. Okay, let's talk about ways that it can end. If a spouse fails to file an answer, you can get a default judgment, right? Yes, we call that a default judgment. Yeah, you can get a default judgment. However, you have to be aware that even if you do get that default judgment, there's certain time periods that the other person can come back and file a motion for a new trial and things like that. The court wants to make sure that everybody has the proper notice, that everybody has the opportunity to get their information in. If they did get properly notified and they just failed and refused to do something, then it's likely going to stand as long as it's not too egregious. But if not, then you might have to do it all over again. That's correct. So, another way is if you prove up a decree in front of the judge, and you can get to a decree in so you can prove it up by just working out an agreement with the attorneys or amongst yourselves. So that's another way. 
we can get to mediation and resolve the issues, or last and worst case scenario, you actually have a trial. Trial. And that can be jury or non-jury. Exactly. Working it out between yourselves and your attorneys. That is the cheapest and easiest route. There are many times where attorneys, so let me break it down for you. The, the attorney community is, is small. So especially when we talk about the family law community, the attorneys know each other. And you know, it's an only in rare circumstances where attorneys don't know each other. We know how each attorney works. We know their quirks. We know what makes them mad. For us, this is a job, but we represent our clients. And, and the main thing that we want to do is to get a resolution that our client's going to be happy with. If we come across an attorney that we know very well, the first thing we're doing is trying to figure out, hey, what does your client want? I'll tell you what my client wants. And then we try to come to some sort of informal settlement agreement. It is the cheapest option. We can hash it out over the phone, and if they give us a proposal, then we call our client and we say, hey, this is what they gave us. What do you think? So, yeah, we can get that settled through an informal settlement agreement. A lot of times, there's no conflict. No conflict between the attorneys. Mm -hmm. No conflict between the uh, clients. And this is normally your uncontested cases where there's not a lot of fight. Whenever we get a new case in and we sit down and go over the cases, I always ask Larry, who's the attorney on the other side? Because I know if there are certain people on the other side that we can just work it out if we need to. It does and can be contentious, but if we can tell the uh, other attorney in kind of a non-committal way what needs to happen to get it resolved, then that attorney can go back in a non-committal way and say, hey, have you thought about this? And, and we can just work out an agreement that both the parties really like and can live with. Because at the end of the day, this is a divorce with kids, and kids are going to be there until they're 18 and even longer, but they're going to be under the court's jurisdiction until they are 18 or graduate from high school. We want to try to make this as amicable as possible and as best for the children as possible. And sometimes that takes both attorneys working together to get their clients to understand the current laws and what those requirements are. Another way to work it out is an uncontested divorce. That's correct. Uncontested means just that. Now, we do have clients who come in here all the time and they say, oh yeah, it's going to be uncontested. And, and I take that with a grain of salt uh, because I've seen it happen time and time again where we're like, okay, it's uncontested, quote unquote, and then boom, full-fledged contested. Mm -hmm. Very rarely uncontested. Yeah, and, and the, the only times where I've seen it purely uncontested is when both the parties come in and they're like, hey, we're ready, we're better off as friends. Right. We've already got everything settled, just put it in some documents and we'll settle. I've had it uncontested where the parties have been separated for a number of years. So they've lived apart for a while and they haven't gotten a divorce just because it's not been on the top of their to-do list. Yeah. It didn't mean anybody. They just never thought to file the paperwork. And so they'll come and they'll say, okay, what do we need to do? And I'm like, <laughs> let's go back and see what you guys own. But we're able to separate all, everything out and, and get a resolution for them pretty quickly. All right, let's talk a little bit about mediation because mediation is probably by and large the most most used way to resolve a divorce case I guess yeah. it's great to work it out between the parties we we try to do that just using the attorneys and the parties and back and forth but sometimes it does take you know mediator going from one room to the next let's back up let's say let's talk about what exactly is a mediation what a mediation is is think of it this way you're in a room with your attorney your spouse is in a room with their attorney, and then you have this neutral party going in between each room, giving the proposals and counterproposals. 
a mediator is someone who is trying to get that settlement agreement. Now, once you reach that settlement agreement, you can't revoke it. Once you sign it, you can't revoke it. It is set in stone. Normally, your mediator is someone who is a very experienced attorney who has taken specialized classes and things to learn how to mediate. Uh, a lot of times, I've seen retired judges who have been on the bench who understand the perspective that it takes. So this person is a neutral party. They've got no skin in the game. The only thing that they want is to come to a resolution for, for both clients. Right. So the attorneys get to agree on the mediator beforehand, right? Yes. Yes, we do. There's a, I would say, maybe five to ten family law mediators in the area that we prefer to use, and usually only two or three that we use on a regular basis. Yes, that's, you know, I've got my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> because they just get it done. Yes. And they're not super expensive. Um, yes. Our goal is to save as much money for the clients as possible, and mediating fees, mediation fees, everything surrounding mediation can get quite expensive. So if we can find a really great mediator at a reasonable price, then we give them a shot, right? Yeah. You know, with mediation itself, uh, even though mediation can get expensive, it's still not expensive to take it to file a trial. <laughs> <laughs> trial retainers are quite expensive because it requires a lot, but we'll talk about that in our next segment. Last and worst case scenario. Yes. Okay. But mediation requires a lot of preparation. It does. It does. Now, unlike civil litigation and personal injury where you have like all kinds of stuff, for, for the family law realm, I mean, we're looking at, we want the documents for whatever real property you own, whatever financial documents that, that is community property between the parties, pay stubs, income tax return, everything that could be that was for the household, those are the documents that we want so we can effectively uh, divide the property between the parties. We can figure out if there's some child support that needs to be paid, how much that is, is there, if there's 401k retirement options. What we're trying to do is to take this household and be able to divide it equally between the parties. Mm -hmm. So all of that we need so that the mediator can look at and make sure everything gets divided. And you also need that stuff we talked about before called evidence. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes a well-placed video or photo can help move mediation along. The goal is to get uh, the parties to agree, and if we present that video and or photo at the right time, it may help them over the edge. Yeah. Not to say that I haven't done that at times. Oh, of course. <laughs> That's not something we would ever consider doing. Okay. Of course we do. Uh, we zealously represent our clients. Exactly. And if you have that information, we will happily present it at the right time. What else do we need to do for preparation? What I like to do is I like to get the client before. We'll have you come in, we'll sit down with you for about an hour or two, depending on how long it, it takes, and we go over the process of mediation. We go over, once again, what exactly you want to, to come out of this mediation, what will make you happy, and a lot of times what I like to do is I like to do three different options, A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. you know, a is the, this is what you want that will make you just 100% happy. B is what you can live with, and C is the option where it's like, look, tired, I just want to get it done, and I'll be happy with this. Right. Well, we hope to not have to get to option C, but sometimes it's best if both parties leave a little mad. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's not such a bad day for us. Okay, so on the day of, you show up to the mediator's office, you sit in separate rooms, and the mediator comes in and talks to you. And they give you a little run-through, a little background history. And you're sitting there either four hours or a full day, depending on the number of issues that you have. So if there are multiple properties, 
you guys can't agree on, if there's a business that you can't really agree on, if there are kid issues, more than one or two, then you're likely going to have a full day. So that's going to be like 8.30 or 9 to 5. Yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, I've been mediations where it was 8.30 in the morning until 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. And uh, we got it done. You know, <laughs> we'll talk about trial in a moment, but that's a good option to get it done. Throughout the day, the mediator will go back and forth with one party will present their requests and the other party will present their requests and then they'll start just a back and forth. We'll start with issue number one and, and figure out what we can do, what yeah. we can live with, what the other party can live with, and then we'll tr really try to pare down the issues to the contested ones. Yes. Sometimes, and a lot of times, we get to mediation beforehand and we have a list of things already worked out. Yes, definitely. A lot of times what I've seen um, with the mediators that, I, that I've gone to that I like to use regularly is that they'll start with the with the child issues first. They we, take the longest. They take the longest, yes. And if we can get those knocked out, then the property and everything else tends to work itself out. Mm -hmm. A lot of times what I like to tell clients is, look, the first proposal that you get is just going to be way out of left field. So don't get mad because clients will get mad and they'll just say, I cannot believe this, I'm done. It's like, no, no, no. First one's always out. We just have to pair them back and, and bring them back to reality. And it's important to note that you do have to go to a mediation in a good faith effort to resolve the case. You don't want to agree. You don't have to agree. But you have to at least try. Show up. Participate. Yes. <laughs> in a positive way. But you won't see the other party that day unless you want to. So if you do reach a resolution, then the mediator will draw up a, a piece of paper with all of the things outlined. Right. Yes, they will. Everything that you've agreed upon, down to dotting I's and crossing T's. Yes, I was just thinking I, I had one opposing counsel, not my favorite person in the world, who made us stay an extra 30 or 45 minutes so that he could, in fact, dot an I and cross a T. Actually, I think it was like a comma somewhere. But his hourly rate was $400 an hour, which is insane. So $400 an hour, and he charged it. So that breaks down to... Forty dollars every point one, which is how we bill in the legal world. Is point one until we get to one point zero, which is a whole hour. So that's a lot of money to add a comma, and it would read it, add the comma, give it back to the mediator. So that's ten minutes, and then she would go fix it, send it to the other side, and then come back. So you're looking at thirty minutes, oh, another two hundred bucks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so yes, don't even ask for some tips. Yeah. Well, in my mediations, look. I I make sure all the stuff is in there, and you know I don't do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want the client, I want the resolution, and I want it to be effective. But once once we have all that information in there, you're initialing all the pages, you're signing it, and what I do is I go over each page so that you truly understand what you are signing, and to make sure that this is what you want. Because once you put your signature on it, that's it. So, you're done. You agree. Yeah. Can't go back. Turn There's no back. take backs. They have it in these big, bold letters that it's irrevocable. Uh, we have, I've had, call back the next day and say, I can't agree to that. I'm like, ugh, remember that's what we talked about? There's nothing I can do for you. They're like, I was under duress. Again, yeah. I don't think you were. You know, you know what I do? Is is when, when it's their time to do their signature, I put my hand there. And I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? And they're like, yes. And I lift my hand up. I mean, if I could record the whole action, then it not record them, we request that you do not record Yeah. It breaks attorney client Yeah. So that's what happens in mediation. If you guys can't agree, if we can't work it out for you, if you can't work it out in mediation with the help of a mediator, and of course we're there, uh, then we have to go to trial. There are two types of trial. 
Uh, I specialize in jury trials. Their other kind of trial is a bench trial where the judge decides. By and large, 99% of family law trials are bench trials. Mostly because nobody wants their business out there. But sometimes, it's not a bad option to have a jury of your peers listen to the story, what you have to say, allow them to make the decision. Because sometimes, emotion is a great motivator for a better resolution. So yes. the law requires specific things, but it does allow for judgment decisions. Uh, judges don't often make too many decisions one way or the other if there's not sufficient evidence. Sometimes the jury will say, hmm, I just don't, I just don't think that's right. It but, seems to be a lot easier to sway a jury than it is for a judge who absolutely. sees this every single day. Absolutely, because judges are kind of saturated with that information, whereas juries come at it from a regular person's point of view. So, I mean, that's a double-edged sword, so if, if you suck, <laughs> then the, the, the jury may not go with you. That's something that we can talk about if you choose that option. We can absolutely facilitate that. Just understand all of that information will be presented to a jury of your peers, and they will make the decision on everything that's in question. What do you do uh, if you want to go to trial after paying your trial retainer? Yeah, well, the first thing is, is preparation. Preparation is, is key to, to having this final trial. And, and for, for the attorney side, we're, we're making sure that all of our pleadings are in order. Everything that we filed with the court is good to go. Exhibits, your mm -hmm. evidence. We want all your evidence in order. We're getting you in for preparation. All of your witnesses, we're getting them in for preparation. And, and what we're doing is we're setting the stage for everything that you've seen on TV, how you see the trials mm -hmm. happen. It's, it's similar to that, but there's a lot of preparation behind that to get to that point. because. What we, what we want to do is we want to make sure that our, we bring our A-game that day. Right. That we are... And we bring your A-game that yes. day. Yes. And, and so, you know, as far as preparation with, with witnesses, with you as a client, we are grilling you on, on the testimony. We're not only doing it from our standpoint of, of doing an examination with you, how, how we ask our questions, mm -hmm. but also trying to formulate what will the opposing counsel hit you with. Right. We want to make sure that your temperament is okay, that you don't blow up on the stand, that if there are any issues that we see in your case on what they might poke and prod at, that we work those out, not to throw answers in your mouth, but to tell you, hey, listen, if, if you're saying this is what happened, you may not be saying it the right way, you know? Right. Yeah. So We often draft questions and responses that are ideal. Obviously, you're not going to take that piece of paper up there <laughs> and answer the questions like that. They're yeah. kind of guidelines of what you've told us and us just putting the proper information where it needs to go and then walking you through that over and over again. Specifically, we're going to do that on things that are difficult areas for you. So if you were the one that had an affair, then making sure you're prepared for those questions and the extent of the question is important. It's of the utmost importance because no one wants to hear that uh, the other attorney is going to ask them specific questions about their sexual requests and needs yeah. on the stand in front of a room full of people, but that's exactly what's going to happen. Exactly. A lot of times, what, if I know that this information is going to get in, mm -hmm. like you just know it's coming in, I try to I try to tackle that issue before they yes. Because I can tackle it in a way that is nicer, calmer, so that people already hear it. Mm -hmm. So then when they come trying to attack, it's like, okay, we already know. You know? So in voir dire, so voir dire is questioning a pool of people before they're selected for the jury. Because you get to select which people you want with some roles out of a big group of people. 
Yeah. There might be some people not from Texas. So Wadir. Yeah. <laughs> it's Wadir here in Texas, but Wadir everywhere else. So uh, Wadir is essential in every jury trial. It is. It will make or break your case, essentially. And you really need to be able to develop a relationship with the potential selectees. There's a specific name, but we'll just go with potential selectees. Right. That's really important. But bringing up those issues at that point will help you find the people who cannot live with some of the things that you may or may not have done. And so yes. we want those people off. We can force them out if we need to, but we do try to bring it up early. With judges, they, they've heard it. Right. There's nothing that you're going to say they haven't heard before. I mean, I won't say that because I'm sure there's something, but most of it, there's not going to be anything they haven't heard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Preparation uh, of, of the bad things and the good things and evidence. We need all of that evidence well in advance. I mean, it starts 90 days out. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're not calling you in, well, we will call you in, but we're not calling you in for the first time for a final trial the day before. You, you've already been in multiple times, and, and even for this final trial, I, I like to think you're looking at at least a week's worth of beforehand. This is not a last-minute deal here. This is, we are prepping. Right. And so that being said, trial is expensive. Trial can be many thousands of dollars because there's a lot of preparation and work that goes into it. Not just that, you have to pay uh, for subpoenas and bills and records, uh, medical bills, any financial records, you have to subpoena those from institutions, financial institutions, medical places, all of those things. Whatever you need, we have to subpoena and put on file in advance. Or we have to pay to, to get those people in to testify to the documents that we're requesting, which is really, really difficult to do. And on top of that, expert witnesses. If there's an expert, especially when it comes to valuation of a business, a real estate, any of those things, because you have to divide property and then divide by money, not by this many pieces of property to you, this many pieces of property to somebody else. So there's a ton that goes into final trial that it, it, these don't happen in temporary orders because it's not relevant. Right. We try to limit the issues that are going to be decided to just those that are contested. That's correct. We, we would do that when for the issues, the contested issues. And I don't know if we talked about it earlier podcasts, but about the pretrial conference. So we, we probably didn't, but beforehand the attorneys would get together at, at what's called a pretrial conference, and we would tell the judge exactly what the issues are for final trial. And you'd have this thing called a scheduling order. Well, it would schedule out when discovery is due, when mediation would be due, and then you know, whatever issues there are so that we would already have those resolved and finalized. So then we present everything in a nice, neat, orderly fashion. It's never orderly. <laughs> Or neat. Yes. <laughs> but we present everything, we have all the preparation, we have all the notebooks prepared, all the exhibits, and then we hand it over to the person who, or persons, who are making the decisions on your issue. So that's either going to be the judge or the jury. If it's the judge, I would say 90% of the time, they will give it to you later. Yes, they always, and you always see this, they're like, well, we're going to take this under advisement, and then the attorneys, you'll, you'll know, you'll, you'll get the judgment. The reason why they do this is because they want to go over everything that was presented to them to make a, a decision that, well, I, I might be speaking out, you know, just my opinion is, the reason why this, they do this is because if they make the wrong decision, it can be appealed. Mm -hmm. So they want to make a decision that's right according to the law so mm -hmm. that their judgment isn't appealed because they don't like to be appealed and overturned. I also think they may do that for everyone's safe because uh, if everyone is there at trial, things have been heated all day long and emotions have built up and so we want everybody to go home without any final rulings that nature from the judge. If, it, if you have a jury, they can make the decision whenever they want to. 
Yes. And they will give it to you right then. <laughs> as soon as they make that decision, they well, they want to make it pretty quickly because they don't want to stay any longer than they have to. Yeah. And then they're going to come in and they're going to read it and then they're going to go and you're stuck with that. You are. Post judgment, you can appeal. Can appeal it. Yes. Limited issues. <laughs> Limited issues. So <laughs> let's talk about it again. Your divorce case is only going to end in a few ways. In every single way, there's going to be a decree of some sort. It can either be a default judgment, an agreed decree that's proved up, a mediation that leads to a decree, or finally, trial, jury or non-jury that leads to a decree, right? Yes. Or you can resolve everything, live happily ever after. Oh, get back together. <laughs> <laughs> but then it wouldn't be a divorce. So thank you for joining us for our fifth episode. We do have a list of resources for you to visit regarding this podcast, and you can find them on our website under the media tab. Uh, please feel free to give us a call anytime, 817-841-9906. Look us up on Facebook under Brandy Austin Law Firm, or reach us online where our media tab is, brandyaustinlaw.com. That's Brandy like the wine, Austin like the city, and law as in what we do. Are you required to have an attorney? No, you're not required to hire an attorney. However, you can represent yourself. If you do represent yourself, you're expected to follow all court procedures, file the appropriate pleadings, and present your case. And if you don't know law or haven't practiced law, you could be in for some trouble. That's right. You're listening to Brandy Austin Law Firm's Disclosure, Divorce in Texas, podcast miniseries. Tune in next episode where our topic in the series, last and final topic in the series, will be you need to know your former spouse will be a part of your life. Sorry to say. The information in this podcast and or video referred to as media is provided for general informational purposes only and may not reflect the current law in your jurisdiction. No information contained in this media should be construed as legal advice of Brandy Austin Law Firm, Brandy Austin, or Larry Mike, nor is it intended to be substitute for legal counsel on any subject matter. No viewer or listener of this media should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information including in or accessible through this media without seeking the appropriate legal or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances at issue from a lawyer licensed in the recipient state, country, or other appropriate licensing jurisdiction. This is Randy Austin and Larry Mike providing remarkable representation in the area of family law. Thanks for joining us and we hope you listen to our next podcast.